0: Um, Genesis chapter 9 we are in a new world now Uh, it's been uh, washed clean of sin and wickedness and uh, we're starting over again with Noah and his family kind of a uh, new creation in some senses and uh, so would somebody read chapter 9 verses 1 through 7
1: And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the terror of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky, with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hands they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely I will require your lifeblood. From every beast, I will require it. And from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it.
0: Okay. So he's giving instructions. A lot of instructions related to uh, life. Um, what are they supposed to? What's what's their basic uh, responsibility that he gives them? Fill the earth. Fill the earth. Produce life. Fill the earth. Um, he says that in verse one. He says it again in verse seven. So he wants them to populate the the earth, to spread out uh, through the earth, um, and um, what does he give men for, uh, food to preserve their life? Every
1: moving thing that is alive. Yes. And green plants.
0: Yes. So, animals and plants are for men to eat. That should solve questions people sometimes have, uh, because of animal rights, uh, movement ideas as to whether or not it's okay to eat meat or not. You know, biblically it is not required, uh, but it's biblically not wrong. God does give the, the animals to man for food. Uh, but there is one thing that man must never eat. And what is that? Blood. The blood. Why can't he eat the blood? Life. Because of life. This is all tied around the ideas of life, but the blood represents the life of the animal. And uh, should never be eaten. Notice this is pre-Law of Moses. Though the Law of Moses says the same thing. In a number of passages. But Luke, or Leviticus 17. Or rather uh, pronouncedly. And the New Testament also teaches. That we are not to eat blood. In Acts 15. So God has never allowed us to eat blood. Um, and then. He's got these. The um, The prohibition. Against what in verses 5 and 6? Murder. Now what are the reasons why he tells us that we are not to commit murder?
1: Because man was made in the image of God.
0: So if you commit murder, you're murdering someone made in God's own image. Murder is ultimately against God. It's defacing and destroying the image of God in, in someone that God made. It's also, not only is murder against God, but in verse 5, murder is fratricide. It's against your brother because we are brothers with each other. So our brotherhood and our recognition of the image of God in a fellow man means that we should not kill. What's the penalty he gives for murder? yes, life for life capital punishment uh, for those who murder does it, you know if you were just reading this perhaps, and you didn't know a whole lot of background and you see them getting off the ark and God's going to give them some new laws, you know what would be the most important laws you'd want to give, I think you might come to this and think well why? what about murder seems rather extreme can you think of reasons why God might have chosen to warn about murder early on in this new world? Because it
1: already happened once in the new world,
0: in the other new world. Uh, not just once.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, who 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 were particularly noted murderers prior to the flood? Cain, Cain and Lamech. Lamech. Yeah. So you know you had in a you know very short space. Really, uh, one in cha- both in chapter 4. Uh, you know, two guys that were murderers, undoubtedly there were others, so it is relevant to uh, talk about this. Um, comments and questions on these instructions?
1: Does the first part of verse 5, is that saying that if a beast kills a man, that the beast is also punished?
0: Yes, the beast was punished for killing a man as well. That was a part of the law. Uh, There were some specifics about that, but basically if a beast killed a man, then the beast had to be killed. Uh, If the man knew that the beast was in the habit of killing people, then he had to forfeit his life too, or give a ransom if the victim decided for that to happen. The victim's family. Good question. Other questions are coming.
2: So we would say based on verse 2 that prior to the flood there was harmony between man and beast?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say that. You know, I mean, I don't know that we would assume that based upon the curse on the ground. Certainly wasn't harmony between man and plants. I don't really have a strong reason to think that there was harmony between man and animals also. That's probably, you know, an assumption either way we go. But I don't think that because he says something here, this necessarily means this is new information or a change. Most of the things he says here are the same. For example, when he says, uh, you know, uh, some of these other things like be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, that's the same order he'd given before you know, so I don't know that we would necessarily assume these are instructions that are different than what they had been before. Clearly, God condemned murder before Cain was wrong, when was wrong. Other questions or comments? I well, don't see what verse 5 says,
3: I'll require your blood, but it doesn't indicate the, the crime.
0: Yes, I think you have to go on to verse 6. I think five and six fit together. You know, the idea of requiring your lifeblood is the idea if you shed lifeblood, then your lifeblood will be required. But I think verse six really complements that and kind of explains what he's saying.
2: So in the end of verse six, His reason was that man is made in God's image. Yes. So even though man has fallen, he's still in the image of God.
0: Yes. I think that is correct. Now, there's a sense in which man has (laughs) defaced some parts of that. Obviously man, um, you know, has, um, dishonored and disgraced the Lord. And, um, You know, there's a passage like uh, Colossians 3.10, where we're to put on the new self who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. There would be a sense in which, as we're a new creature, we take on the image of God in a deeper and richer sense. But I don't think it would be accurate to say that when men fell, they lost the image of God. because we still are, you know, beings that have that spirit nature in common with God. You killed, you know, if somebody killed a wicked man, he's killed somebody who was made in the image of God. In spite of his wickedness, that's right. Yeah. Other questions or comments? Good, good question.
1: It doesn't or, well, it doesn't seem to say how the murderer is to be executed.
0: It does not here. We'll have to look at other passages to see that. Okay. Yeah. All right, um, eight to seventeen.
3: And God spoke to Noah to his sons with him, saying now behold, I myself to establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature, that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh
0: that is on the earth. Okay. Got the idea? He expresses it uh, several <laughs> times there. Uh, what's the uh, preposition of choice from 12 to 17? What's
1: that preposition? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you'd say that.
0: <laughs> I will tell you. Between. You've got five betweens. Between 12 and 17. Uh, He keeps emphasizing the parties to the covenant. It's between God and man and the living creatures with them. Now the covenant God is making with man right here is to the effect of what?
1: that to destroy the world with
0: water again that's exactly right there will not be a flood that will ever again destroy the earth that of course does not uh, you know take away the possibility of a localized flood, there have been plenty of those but no universal flood that will destroy the earth ever again and he gives man a reassurance about that promise what does he do? It was a sign. What's the sign? The rainbow. Yes. Now, what would the normal use of a bow be? Yes. To shoot the, the arrows. Now, can you see what God did when he hung his bow up in the sky? What direction did he hang it?
1: So that the arrow would shoot at God, not... Shoot ahead.
0: away from the earth, not toward mm-hmm. the earth. I think that's kind of the idea. The sign is God's got his bow hung there away from the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, God is saying, I'll give you this reassurance, this sign, I'm not going to flood the earth again and destroy it by water.
1: Yeah. I'm not fiction.
0: Um, well, do you know anything about a bow?
1: You've got the arch of the bow, and then the string is back here. You pull the string back, yeah, it goes that
0: way. So the part of the bow that's curved is the direction yeah. that the bow goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We did not come from a hunting family.
1: <laughs> uh, You're fishers, remember?
0: we <laughs> yeah, were fishers, we were not hunters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Oh, because your last name. Yes. <laughs> you are <smart> there, Ryan. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> we give, uh, you know, interpretive uh, lessons later. So. All right. Other thoughts or comments through 17? The... done
1: uh, in verse 15, it talks about that God will remember the covenant... But it's not its not the remember suggesting that he forgot the covenant.
0: That is correct. Um, you know, remember here in the sense that he will keep it, he will guard it. And it's kind of like, you know, this sign is something God can see too. And so that, you know, it's kind of reassurance for us to know that God's being reminded. <laughs> is there any reason he's,
4: that God speaks in third person? That's just the way he chooses to talk. Um. It's, like it's recorded. Like sometimes he
0: says he says God when he's talking, like if he's talking about himself. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, he doesn't do that too often, but yeah, sometimes he will. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Yes.
1: you think the rainbow, like, what you just talked about, how the arrow was pointing away from us? Do you think that's really why it's shaped
0: like that? I do.
1: I never. I'd never heard anything like that. Sort
0: of makes sense. I not <laughs> You can you can take that for what it's worth. He doesn't explicitly say that, but he speaks of it as being his bow, <clears throat> and it looks to me like the the way it's directed is significant. I think that's that's part of the point. But you know, I wouldn't be <coughs> dramatic about that. Obviously, it's not critical for us. It comes from the same word in Hebrew as well, doesn't it? I think it does. Yeah. So it's not like what's on Minnie's head there. To <laughs> no, it's not that kind of bow. <laughs> yeah, in, in Portuguese, it's article, which is the word for that kind of a bow. Yeah. Sometimes that helps because we got some of these English things yeah. that, you know, you've got more than one meaning <laughs> to the same word. But, you know, that kind of bow wouldn't be an article in Portuguese. <laughs> uh. Well, when you first asked that question, I was thinking those for decoration ah uh-huh. <laughs> yeah no I think this is this is definitely yeah. the bow and arrow he spoke well that makes better sense <laughs> all right 18 to 27
4: and the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth and Ham was the father of Canaan these three were the sons of Noah and from these the whole earth was populated and Noah began to be a farmer And he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk, and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brothers outside. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine, and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, "Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant.
0: All right, there's uh, quite a bit of room for uh, scratching your head on this one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll look at it and see what we can come up with. Uh, so you got Noah, Shem, and Japheth coming out of the ark. He mentions Ham's the father of Canaan. That's going to be important for the rest of the story. Noah was a farmer, planted a vineyard, drank the wine, became drunk, and uncovered himself inside the tent. Now, that probably wasn't the right thing for him to do, uh, for him to get drunk like that and expose himself. Um, You might think about sort of how this is paralleling what happened in the original creation. The newly created world is not going to stay pure and pristine that long and when Noah was in that condition inside his tent Ham, verse 22 saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside now, you know, there's a lot of question marks about well, what what happened there what does that mean and I would assume he looked disrespectfully on his father in his condition and then told his brothers to try to involve them in the same disrespectful act. In that sense, this would be kind of a parallel with Eve that tries to share her sin with Adam after she's committed it. However, what do Shem and Japheth do? They cover him up. Yes. Without even looking. Well, yeah, it was kind of an awkward task for them. you know, walking backwards and managing to cover him without seeing their father's nakedness um,
1: I know it's interesting
0: that God covered Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, from their nakedness as well, I don't know if there's really anything to be, uh, gained from that or not, but they respect their father and they're going to respectfully cover him so that he would not, you know, continue to expose himself um, and then kind of, uh, sad, the first things in this story, and I guess the last, perhaps, but the first things at least, that Noah ever spoke in the record are these words cursing Canaan. He said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. Now, does that strike you as a little strange, just right on the surface? Ham's the one that committed the sin Cain is the one that gets cursed now maybe there's some logic in that in this sense what if you think about you know how the curse is on Ham's son because he disrespected his father you know there's some sort of a a parallel there it has continued to emphasize that Ham was the father of Canaan both in 18 and 22 so uh, the one Ham fathered is cursed because he disrespected his father it may also be that Canaan is a lot like Ham a lot of times it's like father like son even possible that he shared in that in some way with his father and so, I um, wonder, how would we recognize this curse on Canaan as far as in fulfillment at some <laughs> point in time or today or whatever? What does this curse on Canaan amount to in fulfillment? Well, Canaan was defeated by Israel. Exactly. This was fulfilled in the destruction of the Canaanites by Joshua. In fact, we will see in uh, chapter 10, verses 15, 16, 17, and so forth, you'll see some of the descendants of Canaan, and you'll recognize some of those as the very peoples that were in the land that Joshua and the nation of Israel destroyed. So I think that the curse on Canaan was fulfilled when the Canaanites were destroyed from the line of Canaan. I don't think it has a thing in the world to do with some particular race of people today. Every once in a while, somebody will try to come up with something. You know, even, uh, you know, and I don't know that anybody would say this today, but in in, you know, years ago, You know, I'd heard some people saying, well, you know, Ham, you know, his descendants mostly went to Africa, so they were black. So that's probably some kind of a stigma on black people or something like that. Well, it's true that a lot of Ham's descendants went to Africa, but Canaan did not. And as far as we know, the Canaanites were not even black. And, you know, has nothing to do with Ham's other descendants that weren't the Canaanites. The Canaanites were destroyed by Israel. So it has nothing to do with that. That's just, you know, people sometimes just hijack passages to try to confirm mm-hmm. their prejudices. So there's nothing in that. We haven't yet dealt with 26 and 27, but obviously we've talked about a lot there. So let me pause and let you make comments and ask questions.
2: I've always wondered in 24 how it was that Noah knew what his youngest son had done to him when he awoke.
0: I'm assuming somebody told him. Okay. But thats I wondered that too. That's why I didn't address that. <laughs> uh, that's my assumption, but that may not be right. The
4: way you explain twenty-two, that's that's the only way I've heard it, been I guess logically explained. You know, that, that, I mean, people just kind of, you know, we I guess we don't really know, but I don't know. It's the only thing that really makes sense to me that he must have been looking in some kind of weird, simple situation. I mean, something.
0: you know, just you know, seeing your father drunk and mm. exposed, and you know, kind yeah. of. I'll look at him. Yeah, you know, that's what I was gonna
4: was maybe more of a Wait, mocking, lust. I bet it's more of a mocking.
0: Yeah, that, that, I'm assuming a disrespectful thing, not a lustful thing, I hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, people are weird. People know, but, are weird. I mean, but, I, but I think it's more mocking. But, so. yeah, I mean, I don't see really anything in the text to lead us in that direction. Right. You know, some people take it that way, but I, that's, uh, yeah. I'm hoping.
2: doesn't seem like Noah at all. His faithfulness to God in the previous chapters, you know, he did exactly what God said, but maybe it's the fact that God didn't say anything now, he just sort of loosened up or something. <laughs> it just doesn't really make sense to me why he's, he's so meticulous in keeping what God says and all of a sudden he just lets loose.
4: It's kind of disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. Did God say anything
0: prior to
4: make him not be like this? Like... Well, Did you, think he'd you
0: know, we, we just don't know all of the things God said. Yeah, we didn't have any required. But I'm assuming we are not supposed to think favorably mm-hmm. of what Noah does in 21. Um, I mean, but but it is a disappointment, and it does seem out of character for Noah. Mm-hmm. How can you explain that? Do you Yeah. Sometimes good men do bad things. You know, even people like Noah. That is really sad. And, you know, we would like to think that's not true. But it is. You know, I don't remember if I used this as an illustration, I don't think I did. But years and years ago, I worked up a sermon entitled, People Will Disappoint You. And I kind of set it up with the idea of, you know, sometimes you, you really... You look at some people, some you know, brothers and sisters and you really see, you know, some good in them and then, then they just do things that really hurts you. I mean, you just can't believe they do that. And you know, I maybe gave some kinds of illustration things they might do and what and whatever and I said, you know, and and but but really the way we know that men will disappoint us is from what the Bible says. You just see it all over the place. <laughs> You know, look at how many good men in the Bible did really bad things. Some of them a little more outrageous than this. I mean, I don't know if there's a more outrageous act from a better man than what David did with Bathsheba and Uriah. I mean, of all things, (laughs) you know, if you took Someone you even half respected as a Christian today. And you set up that scenario? I mean, that's horrifying. And yet, God reports that very directly and plainly. There's no denying what David did. There's no denying that there's some good in David. I mean, his psalms certainly reflect that. And God's assessment of him reflects that. Things you see in him reflect that. So, I think we learn that people like Noah sometimes do bad things. Genesis 38, Judah. Yeah, that was gross. Another, that's, that's pretty bad. Yes, that's right. And Judah was the one that the promise came yeah. through, you know. And even, I mean, I'm disappointed by Abraham lying about Sarah and even sort of, you know, using her or putting her at great risk and to save his own neck and doesn't seem very you know much like a you know good protective uh you know uh heroic uh, husband and so forth and so on we can find a whole parcel of those kinds of things even from really good men in the Bible. generally speaking it might be an exception or two but for the most part The men and women in the Bible that we don't know of them doing something bad, most of them we just don't know a lot about. (laughs) Most of the ones we know very much about, with maybe an exception or two, Um, we can say, well, that was a mistake, or that was a mistake. Um, I just think he blew it. So, I mean that certainly doesn't excuse it look at the terrible consequences of this I don't think you'd turn to this and say well Noah got drunk I think I will (laughs) you know uh, you wouldn't turn to David and say well you know he uh, committed adultery and killed somebody I think I will you know no you see the horrible devastating effects of this you don't want any part of it you learn from that but I think we also have to learn not to just give up on people and write them off because they disappoint us. I and mean, sometimes we'll do that when people disappoint us in very much lesser ways than this. Sometimes somebody just doesn't have very good judgment about something, or at least not our judgment, you know, or they, you know, act in a way that doesn't seem all that, you know helpful, and we're just I thought a lot of that person but never again, you know they disappointed me they did something I just didn't think was right, and that's that well, I think we've got to we've got to, you know have some uh, understanding of men's liability to sin and not put too much confidence in any man certainly we need to learn that but not to just you know walk off in disgust when somebody does something that you know is discouraging to us because that is going to happen sometimes and um, you know give them second the same chance the lord does and he has with us over and over again yes sir i was going
1: to say i was looking for the passage in ezekiel 14 where noah is listed still as one of those Righteous men. Yes. You know, the righteous men of old. Yes. Daniel, Noah, and Job. So, That's I right. mean, and that obviously <coughs> happened after this. So, even though we've got this uh, issue here, you know, God didn't give up on him. as you were saying.
0: Yes, exactly. I mean, I think you would still consider Noah to be a good, righteous man worthy of imitation in most ways. Who made here a serious mistake? He sinned. You know, he did not do what was right here. That was not, thankfully, the general nature of life. You know, going to happen. Other
3: thoughts. You see the curse being on the generations afterward. Was uh, that's very similar, obviously, to the first sin. Uh, you know, the results or whatever carry on from that.
0: They really do. Yeah, which is one of the, you know, things that stinks about sin, you know, you can't just say, well, the consequences will only last to a certain point, and then I won't have to face those anymore, sometimes they last and last and last, that's just the way that is, uh, so that we, that's, you know, wow, sometimes we unleash things that we then have no control over the effect that they'll have. You know, it it doesn't say, but Noah surely had to reflect on the fact that he placed a stumbling block in in, uh, the way of his own children here. Yeah. That would be pretty embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's always kind of sad when parents act in ways that they wouldn't want their children to act (laughs) you know that's worth thinking about. I realize that's not exactly what Ham did, but uh, I don't know where Noah wanted his children to get drunk and expose themselves. you know and, and and I think sometimes parents are bad about not seeing the seriousness of that. You know We just need to keep our behavior, you know, good right, righteous, do the right thing. I mean, you know, sometimes I, I see, starting talking with a mother the other day, you know, whose son, adolescent son, has a real problem at times with losing his temper at home. And I was glad she said this, because I knew it was true. She said, I guess he's just acting like I do. Well, he is. That's where he learned it. I mean, not that you couldn't do that without learning that that way, but, whoa, she's uh, probably more prone to that than he is. And that's sad. You know, we really need to work on ourselves and, and live right. That's, uh, I think our lives have more impact than our words.
3: So what what about this curse, though? Is this... Uh, I mean, you could read this, and Noah woke up, and he's mad, and he cursed his, you know, grandson, and uh, or is there some reason that God would carry out what you Noah
0: stated? God did carry out what Noah stated.
3: The next question would be to what extent? Was every one of his, from his grandson on down, were they constantly servants of the other brother brothers?
0: Yeah, I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that that's even necessarily what's implied here. Mm-hmm. But you know, God did carry out a curse on the Canaanites and they became either dead or servants, you know, Judges chapter 1. God also did um, have Canaan serve uh, Shem and Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem. You see Shem's dominion and that's true. Why would we see Shem as having dominion? Because it was
2: through him.
0: See him. Yes. Shem was the ancestor of the Jewish nation, and therefore of Jesus. So it's really true that, you know, Canaan, Ham ends up serving Shem, and Japheth dwells okay. in the tents of Shem. This is a, a hint that the the lineage of the promise would come through Shem. We'll see that more explicitly in the next chapter.
4: I'm assuming Mrs. Noah wasn't around. I assume, I don't know. Alright,
0: other comments or questions on uh, anything through 27? That's what I know about that. I wish I knew more, but as far as I can go. Noah lived 350 years after the flood, verse 28, so all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. All right. Anything on chapter nine? <laughs> you just think like he
4: what would that have been? Like four hundred and whatever happened. What's happened? something seventy five, whatever it is. And then he got up to that age and, like, had a middle age crisis. Like, like it's such an old age. Like, I don't know, it's just weird to think that that's middle age. Whatever happened. Like, I don't know, it's just, like, it's just weird. Like, I think he went out and bought a motorcycle or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would have been weird for him, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: Brand new camel, one of these yeah. <laughs> two yeah. cheaters.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Like, two homes instead of one.
1: Yeah. 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 Across the desert. Uh,
0: <laughs> wow! I can tell we need to move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Hey Gary, I had one last comment. I don't know how much <laughs> this is worth, but I thought it was interesting that uh, out of everyone who's lived before Noah. Noah's the only one that it doesn't say he begat sons and daughters. It just says he begat these three boys. I don't know okay. what that means, but I just checked in chapter 5 and it just says he begat, you know, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Yeah. But everybody else says that they begat sons and daughters. I just thought that was interesting.
0: I hadn't thought about that, but that mm-hmm. is interesting. Good observation, jerry Did
2: you guys talk about
3: uh, different possibilities as to why he responded so severely in verse 25, with Canaan? No. Is it, is it possible that it's a response to um, the, the world that they just left behind? Um, not excusing Noah's behavior. You know, what he did was sinful, but he's he's punishing his son for what he just did. And it was those types of behaviors that God just annihilated everything
0: on earth. Would that make sense? Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, the one thing I'd say is I think this is really God speaking through Noah. I mean, I okay. think this is this is God's message. Uh, I think Noah's probably a spokesman for God in general, and I think it's fulfilled. <laughs> so, okay. It's recorded, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is just Noah's being upset. I think it's actually the message of God. Would that explain why God was through Noah was so? Sorry? Perhaps so. Perhaps. Okay. Hmm. Well, chapter ten is an interesting chapter. It's the generations in verse one of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and the sons were born to <coughs> them. And sons were born to them after the flood. Now, I want you to notice kind of the...